This is Amateur Logic, episode 159, for August 15th, 2021. This episode of Amateur Logic is brought to you by MFJ, the world leaders in amateur radio accessories, and by ICOM. Heard it, worked it, logged it. Keep your competitive contesting edge with ICOM. Good evening. Welcome to another episode of AmateurLogic.tv. I'm George. I'm Neil. Hi, Mike. And it's great to be back with you again. And I just got to say, I feel a lot more like I do now than I did in 2018. <laughs> if if you're watching the live event here, then you know what I'm talking about. If not, I guess you'll never know. Tommy's not with us tonight. He is attending an event you know his son does the strongman competitions and he is participating in one this weekend and tommy wanted to go support him so he'll be back for the next show and email it is good to have you back with us tonight my friend how have you been well george it's been a it's been a little rough for me for about a month going in fact tommy i think is in gulf shores um and we just came back from there maybe three weeks ago from a vacation we were talking about it and uh but right after that i came back home i uh i got the uh the covid 19 it's nothing nice but uh i survived and uh it's it's really good to breathe again uh and to be able to uh get out and uh, do stuff. So that's my story, and I'm still here. So, woohoo! I'm still kicking, still finding cheap things. Wow, <laughs> that's a tough situation, Emil. We're glad you're back with us, and that that you can breathe. That's that's a useful skill. Mike, what's been going on with you? Uh, I actually, uh, I'm starting holiday. Um, got a couple of weeks off, and. Um, Hopefully the weather will be a little seasonably norm, um, more so than it has been because we've been getting a heat wave. We've been under uh, extreme heat warnings. Of course, you're you're probably going to laugh when I tell you um, uh, what's uh, 40 Celsius, and then you got a heat index on top of that. But um, I think it's 105 wow. uh, Fahrenheit. But, um, like, that's really hot for us, and um, the humidity has been really high, too, which doesn't help. That sounds like it's kind of like what it's been here. I don't know, Emil. Have you been a little a little more heat-indexed down there? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, the, we've been bringing the dogs so that they could eat more hats inside more often, so... Uh, it's, it's brutal out there with the humidity and it, I don't know about you, George, but it just keeps raining the thunderstorms every day. So 
the humidity's right there with the heat, and that's never a good combination. No, it's not. The humidity has definitely been here as well, although we got a few days break from the rain, believe it or not. Well, there were a few showers, but uh, nothing like it has been. Of course, the weekend's coming, so there's that. So. I've, I've never had greener grass uh, this time of year. Um, with all the humidity, it keeps everything green. That's about the only upside to things. Well, it's been mighty green in here, too. <laughs> so. You might have a mold problem there, George. Huh. I may have to check that and see. It's the Friday the 13th blob edition. And, you know, those noises you heard earlier might have been haunted stuff. You know, you got to watch out over there. Oh, yeah. True. Well, we want to mention one thing. If you're watching live, we've usually got a chat room going on at the same time. This week, the chat room is, let me see where it is. Right there. You can go to amateurlogic.tv slash chat to get the details on the chat room there. Or email can do the, um, yeah, Kilroy. Kilroy. Yeah. <laughs> amateurlogic.tv slash chat but if you're watching the YouTube live stream then it's right there uh, rather than have a separate chat client going we're using the YouTube chat right now it seems to work pretty well we used it on the last episode of Ham College we ended up with a, a bot getting on there and spamming everyone so in order to get in that chat room you have to subscribe to the AmateurLogic.tv channel on YouTube. Sorry, uh, you know, it's kind of hard for us to admin the chat, moderate it, and do the show at the same time. And it seems like every time we've used it that, you know, that's always been an issue with spam or, or garbage getting in there. So uh, you'll need to subscribe if you want to join in the chat. We didn't do that to get more people to subscribe. That's just uh, just kind of the way it works out. YouTube has that option now. So we think that will eliminate the amount of uh, superfluous junk getting in the chat. Well, this is an interesting uh, little write-up on the International Space Station. Apparently, NASA's trying to come up with ways on how to kill the International Space Station. When it was launched... Um, I guess, uh, or started, it, it, it's uh, obviously had a lot of pieces attached to it since uh, 1998, but it was supposed to have a lifespan of 30 years, and that's that's uh, coming up uh, not in the not-too-soon uh, or near future, but um, NASA needs, to wait, needs a way to deal with it and how to deorbit that uh, space station safely, and uh, that's, that's a real challenge. So they're trying to figure out ways how to deal with that right now, and... Um, um, have you got that? Uh, yeah, there's a little QR code. If you want to read the uh, the whole the whole write up, there's a QR code there in the bottom left or the bottom right, I should say. Yeah, it just looks like gibberish to me. I can't read that. You don't have your built-in Google Glasses QR code reader? I guess not. I always look for software, right? I'm I'm on the cheap prowl looking for something that's going to uh, work what I have over here. And I just so happen to have, as most of you know, my uh, little SDR Play Duo. 
like I think you have one too and others have. Yeah. And I said, you know, I, I want to go see what other software is out there. So I just so happened to run across a software called SDR Console Software, which is written by a person we might all know, and there'll be a pop quiz after it, but check it out. Well, hello, George, Tommy, Mike, Amateur Logic TV viewers. Today I wanted to show you an SDR software that I found. SDR Console version 3.1 from an author you might be familiar with, Simon Brown. I hooked this up to my SDR Play RSP Duo, but it can be hooked to uh, SDR Transceiver as well. It's got to select the right um, radio and there's also ways to connect a server uh, over the internet. I've started it with its default bandwidth and I'm on the FM broadcast band just checking out the basic features. There's an audio response spectrum here. There's a 12K, 15K, and then the running uh, waveform there built in. The meter itself that reads the signals is either analog or digital. You can select that in the menu items. Uh, it does, in, uh, you can see here there's a little window. It does decode RDS from the uh, signals, if it has it. Of course, it's got to have it. You can select different bandwidths depending on what your computer and uh, SDR radio is capable of. If it's got multiple tuners like mine does, you can select one of those. Here I have tuner two off the uh, SDR. You can, see I, you can see I have the antenna hooked to uh, tuner number two in my uh, RSP Duo. May not know is that interest rates are already starting to increase again, and it's likely that trend is only going to continue. Our team of experts is standing by to help you save before rates go up. With an official mortgage review from Rocket Mortgage, you'll see just how much money you could save by making a move right now. Don't look back over these next few weeks and wish that you would take an action. You can save hundreds on your mortgage pay. Under that, you can see they have the different modes to select, including synchronous AM, wide and narrow mode FM, broadcast FM, upper sideband, lower sideband, CW, and all of the controls that you would normally have on your SDR. Besides that, up here there are many different uh, settings like gain and with the gain you you can set up um, the high and low limits of the band so you can get that signal in the window there you can adjust the scales in units you can adjust the smoothing of the displays you can change the meter you can tell it you want it to show peaks in the signal or on a display three d waterfall 
available, just like on a more modern radios, if you want that. Of course, you can change the color of the uh, waterfall and spectrum display. They have some different palettes already made. The speed of the waterfall and spectral display. Different methods of windowing. It will read RDS if the signal's there. See here in this box. There's a receive matrix which I believe is if you have a radio that can provide multiple slices, multiple receivers. And of course it is made for a uh, transmitter or transceiver as well. Like Mike has the uh, on Pluto and uh, hack RF. If it transmits, it'll work here. As long as there's a driver for it, you can record audio from uh, what's being decoded straight from the software. There's already preset favorites for the ham bands, the amateur bands, and the time signals. And different uh, services here. Of course, you can set your own as well. And there's even troubleshooting for uh, things that might go wrong with the software. Because it looks like they're developing it always. In fact, this one was just released, I believe, in August, maybe a week ago or two weeks ago. This is SDR console version 3.1. Found that from uh, Simon Brown. May recognize that name from other software that's out there. Check it out. It looks uh, pretty nice. Worth using. So thanks, SDR console. Of course, he also has a website where he gives lots of information about the uh, software itself, the, the features that it has, kind of an A through Z setup, and transmitter information, as well as plugins that looks like uh, work with it. The server, which you can set up to connect uh, to other devices, which radios are supported, which you can see here, there's quite a bit of uh, support out there in the, uh, as they call them, definitions for the radios. Quite a bit of information here on his site. And I believe they also have so, uh, social media out there, lots of YouTube videos, as well as Facebook. Again, you might uh, recognize them from other softwares that he created early on in his career. And be sure to check this one out with your SDR. Simon Brown puts out some great software. This is no exception. Plus it's free. Uh, 7-3. In your video, there was mention of a, of a team of experts. And I, I've always wondered you know, if you have a team of experts and you have one expert, 
why do you need a team of experts? I, I guess I'm thinking there's there might be different pieces and specialties and experts because you know all, all that fun programming and different people you know you're you're in IT too. You're gonna have GUI experts. You're gonna have non-GUI experts coding uh, RSD uh, the sampling. You name it. There's all kind of pieces parts to that software and. And and you you got it right in the in the chat room by the way that was gonna be my pop quiz uh, so I'll, I'll direct it to George. Hey George, do you recognize the guy's name I was saying and what he wrote? Oh yeah, Hammer Radio Deluxe. Yeah, yeah. So we you know he was one he was the first programmer of that before it was picked up and bought and uh, went commercial and such a great product, such a good programmer. I couldn't pass it up when I saw who was doing this project. <laughs> And uh, sure enough, it's aesthetically pleasing. I'll put it that way. We'll take a quick break because I want to. I want to talk about this right here. Now there'll be a reason I want to talk about it later on in the show, but for right now, let's just take a look at this. If space is at a premium in your ham station, then MFJ's got a solution. The MFJ 4230MV Mighty Light is the world's most compact switching power supply, and it includes a meter and adjustable voltage control. At just 5 inches wide by 2.5 inches high and 3 inches deep, it weighs only 3 pounds. It's perfect not only for space-limited installations, but also pack-and-go for field day, de-expeditions, camping, hiking, or on your next business trip or vacation to some faraway place. The MFJ 4230MV gives you 25 amps continuously or 30 amps surge at 13.8 volts. A front panel control allows you to vary the voltage anywhere from 4 to 16 volts. Input voltage is selectable between 120 and 240 volts AC at 47 to 63 hertz, so you can use it almost anywhere in the world. The MFJ 4230MV Power Supply's front panel meter is selectable for voltage or amps. Excellent 75% efficiency and extra low ripple and noise of less than 100 millivolts make this supply a clean source of power for your rig. Some competing switching power supplies generate objectionable RF hash in your transmitted and received signals, but the SuperClean MFJ Mighty Light supplies meet all FCC Class B regulations. The unit cools by convection and includes a whisper quiet fan and heat sensor that increases the fan speed as necessary to keep things cool. DC output is provided on five-way binding posts, or choose the MFJ4230MVP to include a pair of popular power pole connectors. All MFJ switching power supplies are protected by MFJ's famous, no matter what, one-year limited warranty. Check out the MFJ4230MV and the MFJ4230MVP. Visit MFJEnterprises.com today. What you doing? Feeding the chicken. Well, are you going to take the challenge? Yep, I plan to. You? I'm thinking about it. What about the big guns? Think they'll win? They didn't last year, but then they didn't show up either. Is that why you're feeding the chickens now? Yep. (coughs) Champions are never afraid of competition. Will you take the challenge? See foxmikehotel.com stroke challenge. Explanatory. I, I speak chicken. Okay. What what were they saying? Uh, something about a eight piece with a biscuit. Oh. 
Okay. <laughs> All right, I like that. You've been working on some some 3D fumes, I understand. <laughs> yes, actually, um, you know, I was thinking about this before I decided to tackle it. It had been quite a while since I did a what I would refer to as a as a scratch built project. Um, I think the last one was a scope squid um, that I had actually sent to you to to put together. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I think that's that, that's probably the last uh, scratch built project that I that I uh, put together. And uh, this this month, I decided to uh, to build something useful for the uh, for the workbench, and that's a, a solder fume extractor. Hi everyone, Mike V3MIC here. I'm long overdue for a DIY project, so this month I'll be making a solder fumes extractor. Since I'm fortunate to have access to a 3D printer, I printed a custom enclosure. The first thing that I needed to do was find a suitable fan for my project. I wanted something quiet, but that still had sufficient airflow. I decided to use this 120mm Whisper XL fan. I should mention that this fan is AC mains powered, and happened to have a switched AC power socket, perfect for plugging in the soldering iron into. This bonus will greatly reduce the chance of forgetting to unplug the soldering iron after I am finished. Another bonus is that it came wired with a standard IEC AC power receptacle that happens to have a built-in fuse holder. Triple bonus! Before we get started, let's talk about the 3D printed enclosure. Not being one to reinvent the wheel, I found a nice design on Thingiverse, and although I like the styling, it required quite a bit of remixing or alteration since the fan size was for an 80mm DC externally powered DC computer fan compared to my 120mm AC powered fan. After some math and redesigning, I was ready to start printing. For those of you who haven't seen a 3D printer in action before, here's a time lapse of the printing for some of the enclosure parts. I've switched the filament color to yellow and it is now printing the filter rack that's going to hold the carbon or activated charcoal filter media. Lastly, this is the front panel being printed. It also has a cutout for the on-off power switch. I use the popular FDM type 3D printer which uses filament, a plastic which is available in different materials. FDM filament generally comes on spools and looks similar to string trimmer line. Depending on the application it is being used for, each filament type has its own pros and cons. I printed out my enclosure parts in PLA, which is the most common type of filament and also the least expensive. In addition to the fan, we'll need some filter medium with activated carbon charcoal. This filter material is used for humidifiers and air purifiers. A quick web search should point you to lots of sources. I happen to find some at a local hardware store in the clearance section. Remember, as long as they are large enough, we will be cutting these to size to fit the filter holder. Depending on the thickness of your filter material, you may have to add several layers in order to fill a filter bracket. Now let's take a look at the wiring diagram. Not shown is the inline fuse. Also be sure to connect any and all ground wires to each other. Note there is an extra power connector that we will be removing as it is not needed. 
Okay, now that the wiring is finished, let's move on to the filter rack. Get your filter medium and trim it to size with a pair of scissors. And note you may need to use one or two layers in order to fill the thickness of the filter rack. Now get your front panel and snap in the power switch. The rest of the assembly is fairly self-explanatory. Here is the front view of the solder fumes extractor. I like to name my projects, so this one I call Fumes Away. The on-off power switch controls both the fan and the rear power outlet. Right-hand side view. The hole on the side serves no purpose. I will remove it in future versions of the 3D print file. Left-hand side view with the left-hand side panel removed. Note the fan ground terminal and fan power connector. Rear view. Power outlet on the left and the C16 power inlet on the right. Note the integrated fuse holder. Important safety tip. Don't forget to install that rear fan guard. Well, that ought to do it for now. Until then, 7-3 from VE3MIC. Nice looking project, Mike. It looks much better than the one that I made with a cake pan years ago. <laughs> way, to, way to keep it cheap, Mike. Good job, buddy. I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> I thought you'd like that. 50 cents for activated carbon filters. <laughs> wow, that is pretty cheap. It was, it was cheap at, at half the price, so I bought two of them. So how long did it take you to scale that um, that model up large enough for your oh. film? Well, I suppose if I did this as my day job, I could be very um, proficient at it. But um, I would say probably I've got maybe two hours into uh, remixing it or, or uh, re redesigning it. Um, but the real time took was the um the time it took to print um the one one side it's a it's a it's an enclosure that's two halves and one half takes uh 18 hours to print and i printed it solid because i wanted it very strong and believe me um if i could show you uh, a piece of it it's about um not quite a quarter inch thick and it you you would swear it was made out of bakelite it, it's that rigid and that durable Wow. You know, I don't have a 3D printer myself, so I haven't played with them. I know Tommy has one, and he's printed a couple of things for me. I guess uh, that's a little thicker print than that I've seen before. Yeah, it's it's actually the largest, I would say, the largest project that I've done in terms of um, the complexity and the, uh, you know, I, I printed it solid. Um, normally, you wouldn't do that. You'd use a, what, what they call an infill of somewhere around 15, 20%. Um, so um, basically, there's different patterns that um, it's hard to describe without showing you a picture. But basically, if you can think of a honeycomb pattern, um, in order to get the strength uh, without filling it in uh, totally solid, um, you have various uh, different patterns that you can use uh, when you're when you're 3D printing, and of course when you're when you're not filling at 100%, uh, the time to take to print is a lot quicker. Oh yeah, I, I would imagine so, and a lot cheaper. And a lot cheaper, although the filament itself isn't too bad. They they generally come in one kilogram spools, like you saw in the video there. Those spools were were one kilogram spools. And I would say that whole project didn't even use one spool. 
Uh, cost of filament is somewhere around the twenty to thirty dollar mark, depending on where you get it from. Okay. So it's it's pretty cost effective. Cool. Well, I had a, a sad note here I wanted to pass along to you tonight, and that is Mike Ennis, who was the production manager at Ameritron Amplifier and at MFJ, passed away last week. Uh, Mike was a great guy. We actually um, had a segment with him back, I don't remember the number now, maybe maybe around episode 18 or so. Um, Mike did a tour of the Ameritron plant for us, and he was very knowledgeable on, on all that stuff there, and he's going to be surely missed by the whole community. So... Uh, Keep Mike in your thoughts and prayers and his family and friends and co-workers as well. We have a uh, Facebook post from our uh, friend Mark Garrett, and uh, he showed a picture of a little board here that he put together and got some help from uh, another ham that he put together. And uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but I, I read about it in a recent QST and it's the first time I've seen somebody, I think in our forum, post something about it. There are FCC rules that allow very low power transmissions in the 13 megahertz range, as well as other ranges. And I've heard terms like HIFER, H-I-F-E-R, uh, I think is what it is. I've heard LOFER, medium fur, all kind of furs. And uh, this this project here he's working on, uh, I think he's got his working on both um, ham bands and the hyphen bands. Uh, I've never personally heard anything out there, but I'm going to have to go check it out because apparently there's a lot of people who are doing things on these bands, which are used for other purposes. But apparently the public is allowed to uh, do things on them as well, as long as you stay within the power rules. So have you ever heard of this Um before I, I saw it in the QST recently as well, uh, George. You ever heard of the Hyfer and all of those other bands and things? Um, no, I've never heard of a Hyfer. I, I have heard of a Loafer. <laughs> uh oh, my dog walked out when you said that. He must have been loafing. <laughs> he wasn't getting enough hat. Um. No, I haven't heard of that email. Uh, let's see. That's that's not a ham regulation, is it? I believe it's FCC Part 15. Oh, okay. So right. um, they the definition of it, according to uh, Wikipedia, is a shortwave radio beacon station. And sure enough, that's what people are doing. They have a beacons all over the place running at extremely low power. But, you know, 13 megs is... Right there in Skywave is going to happen if it's going to happen. Well, Tommy is not with us live here tonight, but he is here with the segment. So let's take a look at what Tommy's been up to. Well, it's a happy day. It's like Christmas in July for me here. My AH705 came in, which I'm very excited about. Unfortunately, I missed field day with it, uh, but I got by. But uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited to get this set up and, and give it a try. So today we're going to go through the setup process. This literally 
hasn't been taken out of the box. I did open the box and look in it, but it hasn't been unwrapped. So we're going to do that now. I'm not going to do an unboxing. I think those are boring. But uh, we do have the tuner. Got a place for the uh, PL259, a place for counterpoise, and a place to hook up to your coax. We've got a clamp if you want to clamp it to an antenna mast. Oh, here's a uh, here's a PL259 with a little uh, compression type fitting on it. So if you want to put a random wire on and, and use that, you can. We're not going to need that today because I'm going to hook it up to my off-center fed here. I've got an MFJ 40 through 6, I think, uh, off-center fed up in the air here at the house. We've got a couple of cables. We've got the uh, control cable that goes from the radio to the tuner. This is a six foot one that comes with it and also a small six foot uh, piece of coax with uh, B and C's on it came with it. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, put the batteries in. It takes two batteries, two double A's. I'll get my handy Joe Eisenberg screwdriver he gave me at one of the ham fests. I think it was at Dayton one year. Two double A's. The instruction says to use alkaline. Uh, 1.5 volts where the, uh, most of the rechargeable ones are 1.2, so I'm going to follow the instructions and I'm going to use the, the alkalines today. These batteries should last a really long time, but if you're not going to use the tuner very often and you've got alkaline batteries in here, I would suggest you take them out in between usages because hey, they can leak and you don't want acid to get into your nice tuner. So let's go ahead and hook it up to the radio, this BNC connector. Just goes to the antenna jack on the radio. And on the other side, we've got a connector for the control cable for the tuner. It's going to be the second one. I looked at it a few moments ago to make sure. Second one from the top. And that's hooked up. And now let's hook it up to the tuner. There's a place for the control cable to go. And there's a DC in. So if you want to use an external battery, you can use that. Uh, but for today, I'm going to use the two double A's and the BNC is connected. I don't have enough coax to reach all the way over here. So I'm going to put the tuner over here to my right. I have the tuner hooked up. Let's go through the menu and see what we need to do to enable it. To tell the radio that the tuner's hooked up, we need to go into the menu, set, function, tuner, tuner select. We need to pick the AH705. For push to talk, I would put it to on. And there's another option here for AH705. And this will actually allow you to uh, save tune memories. So that it's turned on. I'm going to go ahead and clear them. If they're in there. And let's go back. Okay, that's on. The other thing we need to do is we need to go into function. And right here where it says tuner off. I need to tap that and turn it on. I heard, I just heard it click over there. Well, let's check the SWR. We can uh, do that by going into, uh, I think it's in menu. Yeah, SWR. And this will allow us to check the SWR across the band in different increments. So let's see if we can find a quiet one. That'll, that'll do. So uh, let's go to menu, SWR, and we can check this in steps 
this right now it's in 10 kilohertz steps. You can change that to 50 kilohertz, 100, 500. I'll leave it on 10 for right now. We'll push this play. Oh, also, we can check it in. Uh, right now it's by default five bars it'll check. Uh, we can do 7, 9, 11, 13, and 3. Okay, so 3 through 13 is. And it's defaulted to 5. I'll just leave it on that for demo purposes here. So let's hit the play button. And every time we tap the push to talk, the little cursor will move across the bottom of the screen here. It's probably hard for you to see it, but it is there. And it's measuring the SWR, which has pretty much none. Actually, none shows up right here. Uh, to prove that the tuner is tuning, my antenna, as I mentioned earlier, is not resonant on 80 meters at all. So let's go to a 3.5 megahertz band. We'll go ahead and do that. Tap, 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 tap. And you can see that it is way out. But it's off the scale actually. So let's go tune it. We'll force it to tune. Let's do one more. And I hear it clicking over there. It just tuned. Now let's try it. Four, five. It's less than 1.5 all the way across this this range that I have it predefined at. So that's that's good for an antenna that's not resonant there at all. Well, needless to say, I'm pretty excited. All this is going to fit in my backpack really well. My backpack came in a day or so before my tuner did, so I'm going to get all that stuff organized and packed up, and I'll have me a nice little go bag for my radio. I'll bring you guys along next time when I use it. I'm going to try a random wire antenna, or I may actually try building a multiband antenna. I'm going to have to do some thinking on that one. Uh, if you've got this set up, let me know how you like yours. I'm, I'm really crazy about mine, and I'm, I just can't wait to take it out and use it again. 73. Sorry that Tommy's not around because um, I thought we could have a little fun asking what the thing's called again to get the uh, tuner counter to rack up a couple of more times. You know, one less than it would have been 13 instances of tuner for Friday the 13th. I think he got 14. Wow. One of, one of the things I think when you did your little short on that tuner, um, you mentioned that that tuner used latching relays, and that's um, probably why that tuner is so efficient, and it probably doesn't use any power at all unless it's actually doing its thing. Um, so it, it doesn't have to keep the energy the relays energized. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is a very nice tuner, and it covers a pretty broad range too it's you know some auto tuners are kind of narrow on what they can cover but that one's pretty broad there as a matter of fact i think we're going to talk about it here shortly we're going to take a quick break but we're going to come back because i want to do a well just kind of clue you in on a little battery test I've been doing here. Uh, so don't go away. And if that's not enough for you, well, I think we're going to give away something. And we'll talk about that when we come back in just a moment. 
ICOM has the base station of your dreams with the IC7851, IC7610, IC9700, and IC7300 STR transceivers. ICOM's amateur radios are top of the line and are the first choice for contesters across the globe. Robust space stations like these cut through pileups letting you work the bands and record those contacts. Keep your competitive edge with ICOM. Heard it, worked it, logged it. The IC7851 gives you a new window into the RF world and is HF excellence unparalleled. With faster processors, high input gain, high display resolution, and a cleaner signal, it's truly the pinnacle of HF perfection. Dual receivers, digital IF filters, memory keyer, digital voice recorder, high-resolution spectrum waterfall display, enhanced PC connectivity, and SD memory card slot. The ICOM IC7610 is the SDR every ham wants. This high-performance SDR can pick out the faintest of signals even in the presence of stronger adjacent signals. The IC7610 is a direct sampling software-defined radio that will change the world's definition of an SDR transceiver. RF Direct Sampling System, 110 dB RMDR, independent dual receivers, and dual digicell. Create your own band opening with the IC9700. This transceiver brings direct sampling to the UHF-VHF weak signal world. This all-mode transceiver is loaded with innovative features that are sure to keep you busy, faster processors, higher input gain, higher display resolution, and a cleaner signal. 4.3-inch color touchscreen display, real-time high-speed spectrum scope and waterfall display, smooth satellite operation with 99 satellite channels, dual watch operation, and full duplex operation in satellite mode. The ICOM IC7300 changed the way entry-level HF is designed. This high-performance, innovative HF transceiver with a compact design will far exceed your expectations. RF Direct Sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope, and SD memory card slot. Visit icomamerica.com amateur for more information on all the great ICOM radios. Thanks, ICOM, for being a sponsor of Amateur Logic. We're going to give away a great prize package here in just a few moments, so stay tuned for that. We couldn't do it without the help of our sponsors, ICOM and MFJ. But I mentioned I was going to talk about a battery test I've been doing here. You're probably all familiar with these right here. This is a a double-A cell. This is a Duracell. Double-A battery. They used to call them copper tops. I don't think they, they call them that anymore. But these used to be really good batteries. They lasted a long time. Never really had any issues with them. But the last few years, these double-A's and particularly the triple-A's leak. Have Have you guys had that happen in your remote controls and flashlights and different things? Absolutely. I don't know what what's happened with them either, but um, I stopped using them for that reason um, because it didn't seem like I could use even cheap dollar store batteries and they wouldn't leak. And then you throw a set of those in, and all of a sudden they would leak for some reason. They never used to. And I noticed they used to have something on the back of the package where they would repair, 
or replace any device that was damaged by a leaking battery of theirs. But uh, I don't know if they make that claim anymore. Yeah. And I got to doing a little searching and found out that a lot of people were having trouble with these leaking now, and they used to not. Uh, and not just you and I saying that, but a number of people have mentioned that. So I think in the future, if I want to get some alkaline batteries, I'll probably go with the Everettis. Really, well, I would have used either one in the past. I'm leaning toward the Duracell, but now I'm leaning away from them. So I thought I'd try a few other things. Uh, nickel metal hydride batteries. You're familiar with those. NICADs are, are kind of not really around much anymore, but nickel metal hydrides are pretty decent rechargeable batteries. Uh, I've used them. I've got a, a charger and some batteries, and they work. And, yeah, I guess they hold a charge reasonably long. There is a drawback to them, though, and that is the voltage is a little lower coming out of them. They're not a full 1.5 volt, so they won't work with everything. Um, and, you know, there's occasions where you just don't really want to use a rechargeable battery. You just just want a, a regular cell to go in there. And I have seen these around. You've probably seen them as well. This is a Energizer lithium battery. It's it's silver. What do they call it? Ultimate lithium. This is a double A. It's a lot lighter than a regular old lead acid cell. So first off, I'd say, wait a minute, this is not going to be very good. This is a cheap battery, but no, it's not cheap, Emil. Uh, they they cost more. But I reasoned that, well, they're lithium batteries. They're probably going to last longer, and maybe they won't leak. So I'm just going to spend the extra bucks and start using these and my remotes and flashlights. And any piece of gear that I care about, I decided about a year ago that I would start using these and see how that worked out. I'm I'm curious. I have a question. If you're ready, sure. Where where did you find out about those? Um, at the checkout counter. <laughs> okay. The, the reason I asked that is I used the first time I saw them was in the uh, Amazon's Blink cameras. They all came with them because they claim to last two years. Yeah. Wow. Um. Yeah. I don't. I don't know about that. I've been using them for about a year now, and I want to say I've only had a problem with one of them, and that just happened this past week. I've got an outdoor thermometer that is just, a, well, it's an indoor-outdoor thermometer that's in the house, and it just uses a little transmitter dongle that you hang outside for the outside temperature and humidity, and it quit pairing up and working, so... I opened it up, and I had put some of these in there back in November. Yeah, back in November. And I stuck them on the voltmeter, and I checked, and one of them was only like half a volt. But the other one was much more than that. So I think I must have just had a bad cell, 
It's the only one I've run across that I've had any issue with at all. I haven't seen any of them leak yet. And in the process of doing that, well, I, you know, I pulled out a voltmeter, and I discovered something I didn't know. And that is these batteries right here. Uh, I believe they say, let, let's see if we can get a look at it. Yeah, I probably can't see it quite good enough. But it says 1.5 volt on here. So, it's got more voltage than one of those nickel metal hydrides. Let's just check this Duracell here. Now, this is a new Duracell. It hadn't been used. Reglo lead acid battery, 1.534 volts. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take bets here. Email... Do you think this one will measure more or less? More. More. Mike, what do you think? Uh I'm gonna I'm gonna suggest that it's pretty close. Okay. But I don't know whether it's gonna be more or less. Um I guess the real test would be to put it on some kind of a load and then measure the voltage. Well, yeah. I don't have a load here handy for this test, though, so I'm just going to measure the static voltage on it. Wow. 1.8 volts. So the static voltage on this is much higher than a regular old 1.5 volt. Lithium batteries typically have a... Um a cell voltage that's higher than than generally uh, alkaline or carbon zinc or or even lead acid for that matter. Well, I had not considered that. I just assumed they were a volt and a half until I measured that, and one of the cells was like half a volt, and the other one was still reading, you know, more than that, like uh, one point six five or something. So uh, I was. I used to deal with some uh, lithium that they were a D size uh, cell and they were really expensive oh, but they yeah. were used in a piece of test equipment and I think the the open circuit voltage or the the no load voltage was was close to two volts on one of those yeah I I don't think I've seen any D cells I'm sure they're around there but the, uh, they're not at the checkout counter no uh, but I've seen these in double A's and uh, triple A's, and I've put them in most of my remotes as the other batteries went bad. I would open up the remote, clean all the acid out of it, uh, which has been a frequent problem here the last few years. I, I just got tired of it. So I'll let you know in the future how these worked out. So far, I haven't burned up anything with them because, you know, a pair of them is going to be more than three volts. But I bought a pair of those um, because I have a clock on the wall. In order to reach the wall um, where it's mounted, I have to use a ladder. So I wanted to put a battery in there that I wouldn't have to worry about changing out every so often. So I bought a pair of those. Uh, but unfortunately, the clock stopped working. <laughs> and I don't think it was because of the battery. <laughs> well, you don't so think got- you burn it up. I don't think so. I got a story, George. Oh, yeah? And I don't know how to explain it. So check this out. You were talking about these earlier, the nickel metal hydride 
uh, yeah. batteries that are one what one point two, right? Yeah. Both. And I have a radio from Radio Shack. My little Grundig. It's a G three Traveler. In fact, oh, okay. Shortwave okay. all mode radio, and for some reason, George, that radio works better with those 1.2 volt cells i don't know why if it's part of the if i put the same or equivalent alkalines in there the buttons start doing funny things and not doing their function i put those in there and they all work perfect (laughs) i don't understand it maybe it's some kind of regulation thing going on or i don't know huh i wonder if it's the additional current they can supply but that's a good question I don't know. I've got some, I think it's EverReady brand. Some of those, the batteries are green that, that you can find at the checkout counter. And I've got the charger that goes with it. And I had been using them in a uh, Roku remote control that I had in the bedroom so I could plug in a set of headphones and listen to the TV like that. Of course, it goes through more batteries. Uh, so it was eating through the lead acids pretty good and so i i bought the uh, nickel metal hydrides and charged them up they don't last quite as long of course lower voltage but uh, they work pretty good but i got to a situation where they weren't charging because i think it was like a six pack or something of batteries that i got and i took my voltmeter and started measuring them there was uh, a few tenths of a volt different between some of the cells. And I found out that if I could measure the cells and find another one that had about the same voltage, because you have to charge them in pairs. I don't think they'll charge one at a time. Um, That then I could get the weaker battery to take a full charge. Otherwise, if one of them had more charge than the other, it would never come up all the way which was strange, but uh, anyway, I was able to kind of get some extra life out of the weaker ones by balancing them up. Cool. I have uh, one of my chargers will, will charge single. Um, it's a smart charger. It has a battery conditioning uh, mode in it as well, um, but it'll, it'll charge a single cell, which is unusual because most of my other chargers, like you say, have to be charged in pairs. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense because um, probably the internal resistance of the battery itself uh, affects the charging rate of both of the batteries. So if you if you get one where the if you get a pair of batteries where the um, internal resistance of the batteries are are, are you know different to, uh, beyond a certain point, then it may not charge the one battery properly. Well. It didn't. I, I, you know, I learned, uh, well, I was told in school, you never measure the resistance of a voltage source. So I didn't, I didn't put my own meter to it, but yeah, I, I think you're right. That's probably what's going on, Mike. So uh, anyway, that solved that issue. So we'll talk more about batteries in the future. If I have one of these blow up, well, y'all may not hear from me again. But if I don't, and if it doesn't eat my remote controls for lunch, we'll talk more about it in the future. But right now, I've got 
a post here that I want to talk about. This is one that came from our Facebook group, the Amateur Logic Facebook group. That was posted by Jerry Boyd. He said, uh, Sears actually branded, Sears brand name, and sold a two-meter radio in 1977. I did not know about that. It's a 10-watt, two-meter mobile transceiver, 300 bucks. I never knew Sears sold any ham equipment. That was a steal of a price back then, two ninety nine ninety five. Wow. I guess so. I wasn't a ham back in seventy seven. So, item number two there is a remote channel selector connect to the transceiver to send or receive on all two hundred channels. Select any channel between one hundred and forty six megahertz and one hundred and forty eight and 10 kilohertz steps, so it wouldn't go down to 145 megahertz. Wow, um, they even tell you who, who manufactured the radios. Yesu, yep. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that was a Yesu. It looked more like a Uniton. It's more CB styling than it would be for amateur radio styling, that's for sure. Very cool. interesting find there, Jerry. We And Jerry's over in the chat room tonight, WR5G. We appreciate you posting that. That is a new one on me. I had no idea. Yeah, I didn't know either that they made uh, or or sold uh, amateur radio equipment. I know they sold CBs there for a while, but um, not amateur gear. This is going to be a nice package, and I wish Tommy was here with us tonight to tell us more about it because he's got this uh, radio and the accessories that go with it and has been having a big time with it. Well, you saw. Uh, He... You know, he was using a 705 with that A8705 tuner a little bit earlier. And he's got the backpack, too. So let's talk about this and see what we're going to be giving away. Why are we giving it away? Well, it's the 16th anniversary of Amateur Logic coming up uh, in October. 16 years, man. Wow. Wow. That's a long time you were, you were youtubing before the internet well no they did. <laughs> but about the same time youtube came into existence about the same time amateur logic did so we were one of the we were very early in getting the channel on there we didn't think it would go anywhere so we just uploaded the least bitrate version of our videos to it because it would go faster, and we didn't have, you know, as good internet speed back then. Uh, so you, you know what happened, right? Uh, no, what happened? <laughs> well, you you shot that first episode just before Katrina, so Katrina yeah. blew it all over the country. You know that is probably right. That's that that could be the truth there. Yeah, we're coming up on the anniversary of Katrina as well. Not a, not a anniversary to be celebrated by any means. So we'll celebrate the Amateur Logic 16th anniversary. And to do that, well, we're going to give away one of these right here. This is the ICOM IC705. You've heard us talk about it before. This is an all-mode radio from HF to... 50 megahertz, 144 megahertz, 430 megahertz. 
it's got a, well, I call it all band, all mode. D-Star, DV, single sideband, CW, AM, and FM modes. And the receiver is continuous from the medium wave broadcast band to 144 megahertz band. You can enjoy FM broadcast and airband reception on it as well. I did not know that. It's RF direct sampling. That means this is a software-defined radio. It's got the high-speed, high-resolution, real-time spectrum scope and waterfall display that are incorporated in the compact design for the first time in this class of radio. This thing is really impressive. I've used one a little bit. This is just like sitting down to one of the big ICOM HF rigs. It's got built-in GPS. You can use it to enhance fill operations. The functions include location logging, RXTX locations via DPRS, near-me repeater search and scan, QSO recording with metadata, and internal clock synchronization. It's a 4.3-inch color touchscreen. Bluetooth built-in, wireless LAN built-in. You can use your smartphone for linking and remote control. It's got a micro SD card slot, store user profiles, QSO recording, TX voice memory keyer, ready logging, GPS data and screen captures, and it comes with the HM243 speaker microphone. 10 watts output with an external 13.8 volt DC supply, 5 watts with the BP272 lithium ion battery pack. That's the same battery pack that many of your ICOM handy talkers use. As a matter of fact, same one that mine uses. Receive frequencies from 0.03 megahertz up to 470 megahertz. You can program up to 500 channels in it. So it's got a lot of memory. For a QRP rig, man, this thing is off the chain. It's got everything that you could imagine in it. You probably heard me use the term when I'm describing my ICOM 9100 as a shack in a box, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that is a shack in a backpack because from point, did you say 0.03 to 470 meg? Yes. Man, I mean, come on. <laughs> you, you could bring everything with you. And I, I know I've seen Tommy's segments where he's doing QRP making those contacts. That's absolutely amazing. So absolutely, I'd be proud to take that out. Oh, yeah. You know, I was I was really surprised when we took it out to the park with Ray and played with it that afternoon. It, it really performed well. I wouldn't think I would have busted a pile up with five watts, but I exactly. did, you know, um, perfect. Yeah. ICOM certainly hit it out of the park on that radio. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, when they came out with the uh, 7,300, I thought, wow, but this is like to even the next level. <laughs> well, it is. It's like a 7,300 in the palm of your hand almost, except it's got VHF and UHF. Exactly. Yeah. And D-Star. So, um, really a sweet little radio. And, you know, the thing's got a BNC connector on the side of it for the antenna. You could just screw a rubber duck into it and use it like a handy talkie. You could, yeah. Yeah. So, you, are you giving oh. away that backpack? Speaking of shacking a backpack. 
Well, you know, I think we are. Let's let's see what's queued up here next to look at. I mentioned an antenna. So if you're going to go out with an antenna and you want to work multiple bands, you're probably going to want to tune that antenna. And this right here, Tommy was talking about it earlier, the A8705 portable auto tuner covers 1.8 megahertz to 50 megahertz bands. It's got a SO239 antenna connector for 50-ohm antennas such as dipoles or Yagi's. Terminal connectors with binding post socket adapters supplied for long wire antennas. Two-way power source using alkaline batteries or external 13.8 volt DC. IP54 dust proof and waterproof resistance construction. Fully automatic tuning. Just push the tune button on the radio. And it's using latching relays, as Mike mentioned earlier in the episode tonight, for saving power consumption. Perfect tuner to go with that rig, and it's small, portable, lightweight. You need a way to carry that around, and the LC192 optional backpack is the ultimate must-have accessory for the IC705. It's a utility backpack for field operations. The IC705 stays secure in the one-quarter 20 radio compartment mounting lug equipped with a safety strap. It's got adjustable internal panels for custom compartments for accessories such as antennas, battery packs, and a lot more. You'll have a great afternoon of soda operation or photo operation with this package. Emil, do you want to tell us about this power supply? Absolutely. You know, you covered it a little bit earlier, except one exception. Um, This one is the MV uh, model as opposed to the MVP, which you shared earlier. But the specs are pretty much the same. You have uh, just a five inch by two and a half inch uh, box there, extremely small with uh, 25 amps continuous or 30 amp surge at 13.8 volts. Um, it's adjustable from 4 to 16 volts and uh, is awesome choice um, for, you know, bringing it out into the field, uh, the size and the weight. What I think you said it was three pounds. I mean, it's just pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, it is switchable between 120 uh, and 240 volt. And uh, so you can bring it abroad and and have some fun in those foreign countries without uh, dragging around something that'll weigh you down. So, uh, whisper quiet fan cools during operation, and uh, it's just an awesome little mighty light. It's also backed by uh, MFJ's famous "No matter what, uh, one year limited warranty." So they'll repair or replace it. You can run into troubles with it. So, awesome little power supply to uh, run your gear. This is an awesome little power supply. I've used one of these here. As a matter of fact, I've got another model of this same one. It just has a digital display. Tommy has got this model right here. You know, lightweight little 30-amp supply you can can pick up and carry with you. Uh, you're not going to use that when you're out in the park. Well, unless you got electricity in the park. But it is a, a perfect little uh, power supply that would go nice with that rig when you want to run it from the house. Let's see, what else do we have there, Mike? There's got to be something else we'd want to go with that. Well, I, 
you need an antenna, don't you? That might be handy. Let's see. Oh, look what I found. That looks like the MFJ uh, 2012 off-center fed dipole. I should I should mention that it's the MFJ 2012 power light, and uh, don't be confused by the name because that off-center fed di dipole will handle uh, 1.5 kilowatts of power. Um, <laughs> wow. It's good for 40, 20, 10, and 6 meter bands. And um, for those of you that are on small lots, the, the uh, 40 meter version uh, doesn't take up much room, especially if you want to mount it as an inverted V. Um, one of the uh, important things with an off-center fed dipole is to have a good current balance. And um, there's a good engineered uh, ballon that comes with that. This is the antenna that Tommy uses. Yes, that's right. He has one of these. And it is. It's, um, you know, this is very heavy copper-clad wire here. You are not going to break that. This is squirrel-proof antenna wire here for sure. And it's ceramic insulators. Those are nice as well. I was going to say, it's especially squirrel-proof if you're putting <laughs> 1.5 kW through it. Yeah, it is. You could put that right through a squirrel there. <laughs> um, it, it is. It's a very nice antenna. We appreciate MFJ throwing that in. And, you know, you'll probably want to connect it to that tuner that you're going to win. So we've got, I believe this is 25 feet of MFJ RG8X. Get all the details by going to amateurlogic.tv slash contest. It's our 16th anniversary contest sponsored by ICOM and MFJ. Prizes once again, the ICOM IC705 transceiver, ICOM AH705 tuner, ICOM LC192 backpack, MFJ 2012 Powerlite off-center fed dipole antenna, MFJ 4230MV 12 volt power supply and MFJ RG8X coax. Now, there are a few qualifications you're going to have to meet. You must be a licensed US or Canadian amateur radio operator with the US or Canadian shipping address. Only one entry per contestant. Sending in one more than one gets you disqualified. The winner is going to be responsible for any taxes incurred. The winner agrees to use his or her call sign and name in promotional and news items related to the contest. Contestants must not be an employee or affiliate of Amateur Logic, ICOM, or MFJ Enterprises. What you do is you send an email to contest2021 at amateurlogic.tv with only your call sign in the subject line and include your name, call sign, class of license, and address in the email message. Submit between Friday, August 13th and Monday, October 11th, 2021. The contest winner will be selected by random number from the entries received. The winner will be announced on the October 15th episode of AmateurLogic.tv. And if it's determined the winning entry does not meet the qualification requirements, another winner will be chosen by the same method. All the contest rules and information will be posted at www.amateurlogic.tv slash contest. 
couple of things we want to talk about before we get out of here, and that is the Amateur Logic Shorts. Every week that we don't have an episode of Amateur Logic or Ham College post, we've been having short little segments of uh, some things from some of our Amateur Logic hosts here. I don't remember right off. Seems like maybe email did the last one. Unfortunately, I don't have a picture of it right here, but I do have this. Oh, that's that tuner. That's that's the one you tried to void the warranty on, huh? You were trying to be slick with Ray so he couldn't take it back? Well, it's void where prohibited, so I can't talk about it. But, uh, (laughs) yeah, uh, that's... That's the guts inside that tuner. That's just a coincidence that came up. I hadn't planned that. So, uh, let's see. What else? Well, there's something we're doing every Tuesday night. It's a sort of like a social event. Uh, let's see. Mike, you want to tell us about this? Just briefly. Sure. The Amateur Logic Soundcheck Net. And we've been holding that every Tuesday night for over a year now at 8 p.m. Central Time or 0100 UTC. And uh, it's a chance for you to check out all your digital modes and analog. And um, every uh, every Tuesday, uh, in addition to the net checking in, uh, we typically like to have a topic or a question to ask. And uh, George, you introduced uh, another uh, kind of a visual uh, bonus question uh, what the heck is it? Uh, yeah. Where folks can take a guess at uh, a picture that's posted on the uh, social media outlets and uh, take a guess for uh, for the bonus question. Uh, let's see. What else do we want to mention? Well, that is the social media platforms we were mentioning just a moment ago. Facebook.com slash group slash amateurlogic.tv or you can follow us. Yeah, I didn't. At Amateur to... Logic on Twitter. Yep. Or, or mewe.com <laughs> slash join slash Amateur Logic TV. <laughs> or email? Mewe.com slash join slash Amateur Logic TV. Okay. Yeah, email. I've got to work on that a little bit. You know, we hadn't used this uh, particular layout before. So the lower thirds don't really fit like they should. Before we get out of here, I guess. I probably ought to, uh, well, just mention this because Tommy and I had been talking about Huntsville Ham Fest for, I don't know, a number of months now once we discovered that it was still going to be ongoing. And last night I canceled my hotel reservations. Uh, I won't be going. Um, uh, the COVID situation here in Mississippi is just off the chart right now. I've been vaccinated, but still, I've I've known some people who have been vaccinated that had breakthrough infections and did come down with it, although certainly a lot less of them than unvaccinated people. And we, this week, for three days in a row now, I think, we've had more new COVID infections here in the state than we have through the whole pandemic. So I think it is probably not a good time for me to be traveling. Uh, we're we're practically out of hospital rooms now. They're setting up uh, tents. 
So not a good situation here, and school just started. So we don't know where this thing is headed, but um, so far not in a very good direction. So I, I would encourage, um, though, if your doctor says you should get vaccinated, might be a good idea. And I, I myself, I'm back to wearing face mask as well. It just... Uh, feel safer about that. I know there's a controversy on whether or not that actually works. All I can say is I hadn't caught it, so um, I I don't think it hurts. It hadn't killed me, neither has the vaccine. So uh, sorry I will miss you who do go to Huntsville this year. Hopefully next year we can do it. Huntsville Hamfest is still on for next weekend. I know MFJ won't be there this year. They have uh, dropped out um, pretty much the same reason I did. It's just been, you know, pretty tough here in the state. So uh, we won't be there. I think Tommy's probably not going either, but uh, he he can probably say more about that. But as far as I know, he doesn't plan on going at this point. Uh, let's see. Email. You're still... Still go right now, aren't you? Yeah, in fact, I'm planning on taking the uh, the extra. So Ooh. we'll see how that goes. Uh, okay. And uh, I am working out with my uh, my Elmer. You remember John? Yeah. Whether or not we're going to go together still, but uh, we'll figure it out. Okay. So before we get out of here, Mike, anything else you want to mention tonight? Um, I don't think so. Um, just, uh, everybody, um, do the best you can and, and stay safe. Okay. Email. Keep it cheap. Keep it cheap. You know, we can count on you for sound advice like that. Don't be so cheap, Emil. <laughs> hey, what's wrong with you, man? All right. Seven, three. Seven, three. Seven, three. Tonight, email has a special message for us. I don't even know where this came from, email. You'll have to tell us all about it. Okay. Um, It's a Facebook post from one of our friends. Um, And that's not it. That's Mike's. Oops. Mike's (laughs) got a message for us right here. I'm not sure really where it comes from. And you can program up to five channels. That's not right. 